Thanks for choosing a 3CR podcast. Throughout June 2021, we're running our annual Radiothon when we ask you, the listener, to make a donation so that we can continue to make great radio. Your donation will help keep us community-owned and community-controlled. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash donate. And with that done, please enjoy your podcast. Good afternoon, listeners, and welcome to a very special episode of The Dogs Program. We are The Dogs, the Australian Council for the Defence of Government Schools, here to promote and defend public education, to try to ensure some equality of access to educational opportunity for every child, access to a gold standard, universal education, offensive to none, accessible to all, and that is publicly accountable. The dogs themselves, the council, are not just some nebulous body of anonymous entities, but are a varied group of passionate community members who have dedicated a large part of their lives, their finances, their skills and their energies to the fight for the belief that everyone, regardless of socioeconomic background, gender, religion, sexuality or race, deserves access to high standard education. The dogs have been around since the 1960s, since the Australian government began giving state aid to private and religious schools. We've been on air on 3CR Community Radio since the 80s in an effort to tell anyone who'll listen the facts about your taxpayer dollars paying for the segregation of Australian children and the further entrenchment of pockets of privilege grinding any hope of social mobility to a painful and uncivilised halt. Over the years, the dogs themselves have been a group of passionate, community-minded and generous individuals, including educators, parents, students and concerned citizens who recognise that access to educational opportunities for every child is a right, not a privilege. Sadly, as time goes by, the dogs have lost some very selfless, zealous and inexpressibly valuable personalities. And I would like to take this opportunity to pay tribute to just a few of these amazing individuals who together have fought over 50 years for the promotion of quality, gold standard, inclusive public education and access to educational opportunity for all. This year, 2021, long-time member of the DOGS, Margaret Nilsson, sister of the legendary Ray Nilsson, passed away. Margaret was integral to the dog's 1981 high court case effort, using her own home as a base for operations during the high court case. Margaret dedicated many long nights during this period to research, 
collation and organisation of all the court documents, information and myriad types of minutiae required to fight for the dog's case against the behemoth, that is, the Catholic Education Board, who in the High Court argued that they were not a religious organisation but a purely educational one and ergo were entitled to state aid. You can find out more about the dog's High Court case at our website www.adogs.info and in Jean Ely's book, Contempt of Court, which details the arduous battle for equity and education fought by the dogs. Margaret Nilsson's efforts were essential to the struggle and the legacy of her great work will continue to be felt and to inspire for generations to come. Margaret's brother Ray, who passed away in 2009, was also a dogged fighter for the rights of public education for all. Ray broadcast with Jean Ely on the Dogs Program on 3CR Community Radio for 22 years and was also a stalwart volunteer at 3CR. At great personal cost, both Ray and Margaret Nilsson dedicated their lives to the defence of public education and the separation of church and state in Australia. The labours of both Ray and Margaret will continue to affect the landscape of public education activism for as long as it takes to win the struggle against Australia's educational apartheid. We are grateful beyond measure to these selfless individuals who set the bar for dedication to the benefit of Australian people. I'm sad to say that I never personally got to meet Margaret Nielsen or her brother Ray, but their efforts and dedication will always be remembered and celebrated with great admiration and respect. And I recognise what a great loss to the struggle their absence creates. We extend our love and continuing appreciation to their families and need to make it known that the struggle was not in vain, that the legacy of their great efforts will be felt by generations to come, and we are grateful beyond measure. Now, as long-term listeners may realise, it has now been 12 months since Robert Ely was taken from us. I would like to take this chance to not only talk a little bit about our great friend, but also to listen back to some of his brilliant analysis. I was lucky enough to meet Robert in northern New South Wales on the weekend of my 21st birthday back in 1994. Robert's passion for history and music led him to taking part in the historical reenactment movement. And my passion for history and pre-industrial, environmentally sustainable methods of existence led me to the same place. So 27 years ago, Robert and I met in a Viking long hut situated in a pine forest at a feast after a day-long fort siege. Fleeting as this meeting was, over a decade later, when 3CR Community Radio paired me up with the Dogs Program as as their producer, Robert immediately recognised me. This is the type of person Robert was. Interested, genuine, insightful and compassionate. Robert has been described by those who know him as a most musical man. His love of music and history evidenced by his transposing of extant historical musical texts into choral and string forms for modern orchestras and voices. We shared musical friends whose fascination with historic musical instruments had led them to become some of Australia's most noteworthy hurdy-gurdy players and experts. 
He performed with many groups, including Praxis, where he was described as one of Australia's leading medieval and Renaissance music practitioners with a vast experience playing the medieval music group, playing with medieval music groups in Australia and in the UK. Robert played an array of early wind instruments and belted out some enchanting vocals. With Carnavale, he featured vocals, wind and percussion. And I remember his excitement at the acquisition of his own special hurdy-gurdy, an instrument which many bore witness to him playing up a storm. Let's now take a moment to hear some of Robert's work with Scola Cantorum, performing Laudate Dominum, which features his voice as part of this choral piece.
Welcome back to this special episode of the Dogs Program, where we're paying tribute to those we've loved and lost all too soon. We just heard Scola Cantorum doing Laudate Dominum, which featured the vocals of Robert Ely. I'd like to talk some more about our dear friend and comrade and beloved family member Robert, who a year ago was now so cruelly taken from us. Robert's love of learning about history and music made him an excellent educator. Some of his proudest moments included those when former students would run up to him in the street saying, Mr. Ely, Mr. Ely, do you remember me? You are my teacher in, well, insert subject here, whether it be music, history, sociology, politics, or the many other subjects this towering polymath was versed in. And now the student would continue, this is my job, my chosen career path, my passion, my life. And of course, he remembered every student. And he derived great satisfaction from the knowledge that he had helped ignite that spark that is the love of learning. And that that then had burst into the flame of lifelong passion. It was impossible to have Robert as a teacher or instructor without his verve and enthusiasm rubbing off on you. And his personal experiences with students of every kind made him all the more passionate about the fight for educational parity in the Australian landscape. As a roving educator, he experienced every type of school situation there was, from big city private schools to small town public schools, from the well-heeled, over-accessorised elites to the rickety, leaky-roofed old portable classrooms in public schools. He was well positioned to experience firsthand the disparity occurring as a result of Australia's continuing inequitable education funding policies. And regardless of where he taught, his focus was in sparking that love of learning in every student. Quite rightly, he didn't blame the students for their educational situations. He treated every student equally as a valued future member of society. Conversely, and rightly, he railed against the policy, the politicians, the adults, the government apparatus that created these inequities and promoted the segregation of students. In trying to select audio of Robert's past contributions to the DOGS program, the sheer magnitude of the of Robert's body of work has been overwhelming. How does one choose nuggets of gold when all is precious and invaluable? I've been heartened to find that on the 3CR website, past podcasts of the DOGS program are still available to download and listen to, the content still being all too pertinent, especially around issues of religious discrimination legislature. So please do visit the 3CR website at www.3cr.org.au and type the word dogs into the little search box at the top right hand side of the screen. This will take you to a results page, the first result of which being the latest podcasts of the Dogs Weekly Program. If you click on that, you will see the past month's worth of podcasts, but just below these recent shows is a link that says view all episodes. Clicking on this link will take you back through literally years of DOGS programs, back to programs recorded in 2015. Unfortunately, the issues at hand are still frustratingly pertinent as the struggle to achieve some kind of parity in education funding opportunity and policy continues. 
Now, we'll listen to just a small example of the passion Robert brought to the DOGS program, to listeners and to the 3CR Community Radio. This excerpt covers much ground, including why we begin the program each week with the same special piece of music, to the DOGS position on public education, to funding policy, funding necessity, the meaning of the much-mentioned Ixia values, and the fallacies abounding in conservative private school rhetoric. I hope you enjoy hearing Robert's fervour and passion once more on the DOGS program. Fanfare for the Common Man. Mr. Aaron Copeland, an American idealist, anarchist. He wrote that as a fanfare, not for kings and queens, but for the common man. And woman, and LBDTQI. I'm pretty sure if he was around, he wouldn't give a damn about the gender selectivity. But it's a nice piece of music to introduce the dogs, because we are the defenders of government schools. And the government schools, of course, enrol everyone. That's the whole point of government schools. Free, secular, universal. State schools in Australia, they take the lot because that's what they do. That's the values of a state school, as opposed to several other education systems which are funded by the taxpayer, that is you, dear taxpayer, which are the private schools, which don't. They have a different set of values, and the values they have are we want who we want and we don't who we don't, and let the devil take the hindmost because we don't care. That's functionally what a private school is, a publicly funded school topped up by funds from the parents, which is exempt from the anti-discrimination laws of this country. And that system, the private system, educates anything up to, depending on the figures you look at, between 30 and 40% of the population. That 30% of the population are probably quite happy that they send their children there because they can then separate their children off in some sort of active financial subsidy from the government for parents to separate and segregate their children from people they don't like, if they're the wrong religion or the wrong colour or the wrong ethnicity or just the wrong sort of children. That's what private schools are functionally for. I'm being a bit harsh, aren't I, Uh, saying it as it is here on the Dogs Program. (laughs) Um, Often we're a little bit more circumspect, but the fight's getting pretty tough out there, so the rhetoric gets tough. Mm. And the rhetoric that is used to put down and diminish and to disparage state schools around the country is getting rougher and tougher. So here at the Dogs, I'm afraid, as a reaction to that, we have to get rougher and tougher back. So the basic premise, there's two premises of this show, if you haven't heard this before. One is that the government should only fund state education. This is not just important for the kids in the schools, but it's important for everyone, that we don't segregate our children off from a very young age into the haves and the have-nots. It's not good for the nation, it's not good for the kids. And the other thing, if you know us here at the Dogs Program, and if you haven't, I'll tell you now, we're really interested in the idea, a very modern idea, it's only about 400 years old, um, of the separation of religion from the state. Religion is over there in, in people's churches and sincerely held faith is something that here at the Dogs we, we respect, as everyone should, but it's got nothing to do with me. Your faith functionally has nothing to do with me. You have, in Australia, freedom of religion and we defend that to our last drop of blood and the last word here on the radio, but we also defend the faith of freedom from religion. It's of and from. You can't have one without the other in a civilised democracy like Australia and in Australia we do not have freedom from religion. Uh, The government funds religion, certainly through the private school system, but also uh, using taxation breaks. Churches or religions should be taxed um, if they're not doing charitable work. 
if, if religions do do charitable work, that is, you know, people go out there and, and raise money for poor people as part of religious organisations, that, of course, should be tax-exempt. But if the sole purpose of the money that they're getting from the government is to promulgate and proselytise their religion, that should not get any tax breaks. Restoring churches uh, shouldn't get tax breaks, whereas giving money to the poor should whether you're a religious person or not a religious person. These are the ideas that we hold dear here at the Dogs Program. So for those who haven't heard, that's kind of what we're on about. We're on about supporting state schools and making sure that private schools don't get any money. And we're on about keeping as much as we can separation of religion from the affairs of the people of Australia when it comes to our government and our taxes and our laws indeed. There's a battle going on out there. Many, many people do not think that state schools provide an adequate education for the children of Australia. And so, therefore, their solution to this problem is to uh, basically just defund it as much as possible and give the money to, to, to private enterprises to do the job because in this modern pseudo-liberal economic theologically twisted world that private is always better than public... The reason we're having the fight and the reason I'm getting punchy now is that we've had, we've had some weapons provided to us. We've had some weapons provided to us by people who know what they're talking about and have written several, several really very powerful articles on this exact question. Now, the problem in Australia, of course, is that the government funds to a very, very large degree the private and separate and segregated education of those people in Australia who can afford private schools. And you go, oh, well, that's the way it's always been. Um, no, it's not. It's only been that way for about 40 years in Australia. And it is not that way in any other civilised country on the planet. It's not the way it works in America. It's not the way it works in England. It's not the way it works in Europe. Yes, private schools are funded, but nowhere near to the extent that they are in Australia. Australia is an outlier. Australia is a really weird place when it comes to education funding. Hence, you get weird radio programs like the dogs on the radio who just have to constantly keep pointing this out. So not only is it to make social and, shall we say, ideological nonsenses, it's also financial nonsense. Financial analysis has to do with the stupidity. I, I, I do not hesitate to say the word, the stupidity of funding private schools. The problems got so bad, the numbers look so bad mm. in terms of the dollars and the cents and the outcomes for the kids. Um, it's just got stupid. Mm. It's just got stupid. So you've got people going, hang on, this is just not right. Not just both in terms of ideas, but in terms of financial management. Yes, dogs. Why are we called dogs? We are the defenders, D, of, O, government, G, schools, S. We are the dogs. There is a secret. There is a secret. Everyone in the education system, in the policies, in the universities, in governments, um, in schools and teachers, everyone knows this secret within the education system. And it's a secret that no one ever talks about in the press. But it's a really simple secret. And it goes like this. If you want to give every child the chance of the best possible education in Australia, then you need to spend some money on it. If you haven't got a kid, you should cough up. Because if you have an uneducated population that's coming along after you and is younger than you, then you're going to have problems. <laughs> Educating the next generation is something that you, as a citizen of this country, have a responsibility for, whether you have a child or you do not have a child. Uh, whether you're married, whether you're unmarried, whether you're, whether you're whatever gender, uh, whatever sexuality, you pay for that in the same way as you pay for your hospitals in case you get sick. Anyway, I'm going to tell you the secret. It's a really simple one. How much money do you need to spend on each child to make sure that they get a gold standard education in a civilised country like Australia? Well, the answer is all kids are different. But if you spend less, 
than 10,000 bucks a year on them in their school years, you are shortchanging them. Now, that's kind of the way it is. There's inflation, there's this and there's that. And some kids have all sorts of issues that get in the way of them getting a gold standard education. And with those kids, you need to pay a bit more. You need to resource them more. You put the resources into support structures, evidence-based support structures that help those kids out if those kids need a bit more help. Pretty simple. So three to $4,000 a year for the kids that need it and maybe a little bit less for the kids that don't. So you're looking between ten dollars and $13,000 per kid per year for every year they're at school from prep to year 12. That's a lot of money. But you know what? I'm happy to pay that in my taxes. If you're not happy to support the education system of this country, then I'd actually consider you a citizen because you don't do the whole rights responsibility thing because the kids are actually what's matter. Whatever else you can say about an individual, and say, I'm not paying taxes to educate other people's kids, well, no, you're wrong. That's not the secret, by the way. That's not the secret. I'm, I'm just setting the groundwork for the secret. So you're spending between ten and maybe thirteen, fourteen thousand dollars on every kid every year they're in school to make sure they have the opportunity, the opportunity for a gold standard education. Now, if you're a teacher or an ex-teacher or have anything to do with the education system, you can't get them all. Some kids will drop out of the system, and there's nothing you, as a teacher or an educator or a system or even as a parent, can do about that. And I'm not saying that's not sad, but you, in good conscience, have given that child an opportunity to succeed. And the vast majority, of course, do, either at school or sometimes later in life. The things that they didn't think they learnt in school, they can then pick up upon because they've got those skills in later life. And, you know, the world's a complex place. And here at the Dogs, we have compassion for all people involved in the school system. And, you know, sometimes education comes in, comes in later in life and you go, how did I know that? Anyway, now I've decided to become interested, you know, in your 20s and your 30s and your 40s and your 50s. That's the glories of an education system. Now, here's the secret. If you spend more than $17,000 a year on a kid in Australia, every dollar more than 17000 is wasted. You know, wasted dollars? I mean, there's several ways of expressing this, some of them polite, some of them not. But every dollar that you spend more than 17000 a year on a kid is a complete and utter and total waste of money. You are not going to make them any smarter. This is what is called a ceiling effect. How well-educated can you make every single child? Well, the answer is you can make them as well-educated Give them, give them all the opportunities that you possibly can. And that costs maximum $17,000 a year per kid, per year. Anything more than that is pearls before swine. They're not going to get that extra 0.0002 percentage point on their VCE. It's just a wasted money. If you spend more money than that on a child in Australia, it is wasted money. And in Australia, that is exactly what we do every year exactly and this is the secret this is why private schools are just such a waste of money people talk about private schools saving money no it's the opposite if you are spending school fees of over seventeen thousand dollars on your child then you are wasting your money in that school you might say, oh, yes, but it's a very exclusive school and I'm buying my child a network so they don't actually have to be better educated. They're just better connected. <laughs> Go for your life. Go for your life. If that's what you want to do for your child and that is the advantages you wish to provide to your offspring, go for your life. Do not ask me to pay for that. 
Do not ask me to pay for that. That is not fair under anyone's logic. And that is exactly what we do in Australia. If you are spending more than $17,000 a year on the education of your child, you are sending them to a school which the government also gives money on top of that. So many children in, in wealthier private schools are getting between $25,000 and $30,000 per year per child from both parent contributions and taxpayers' money. That is a phenomenal waste of money, and that is the secret. That is the financial argument to suggest, a very simple financial argument that states unequivocally that giving money to private schools is a waste. It's often claimed as a fact that private schools outperform public schools. This is always the reason. You know, parent wants to pay or thinks they need to pay or thinks they have to pay a private school to educate their child because private schools outperform public schools. Now, in 2017, the VCE education results in Year 12 came out. And this shows that public schools with a similar index of community socioeconomic advantage, we talk about Ixia, that's pretty much how socially advantaged you are, how wealthy your parents are and such like and so forth, show that public schools, public schools with wealthy kids have similar VCE results to the kids who go to the rich and expensive private schools. However, these public schools achieve exactly the same results or better results than the private schools with da, 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 about $14,000 per year. <laughs> This is what I'm saying. This, this, this is now the evidence. Now, those who argue in favour of public funding for private schools claim that private schools are more efficient and academically outperform public schools. This is now a fallacy. This is not true. So, what is the actual return on investment, return on investment for parents when it comes to private schools? Now, those on the conservative side of politics believe that there is no, no equity problem to address in Australian education. So they solved the problem in conservative side politics of saying the problem doesn't exist. That's it. They just say, it's just not there. There's nothing to look at. Go away. We're not even talking about it because it's not even true. Now the Liberal Party says this and they rely on various conservative researchers' evidence who deny there is any causal link between socioeconomic status and student academic outcomes. Yep, they just say it's not there. They ignore the OECD, they ignore the PISA studies, they ignore the falling equity and, and falling... They ignore all the evidence, go and do a study and say, no, it doesn't exist, so shut up. That's it. It's this parallel set of facts. They, they, are, they produce alternate facts to what's going on. Now, the new analysis of the Year 12 results from last year actually compared 455 private and public schools across Victoria. So, even excluding select entry schools, so that's your Melbourne Highs and your McRobs, Public schools outperform private schools with similar ICSIA rankings, that is, similar wealth of parents and such like. The median VCE score in public schools was slightly above private schools. And public schools had 18% of VCE scores of 40 or more, compared with 17% for private schools. So there you go. Private schools are a waste of money. Now, when it comes to funding, private schools on average outspent public schools by a minimum of $9,000 per student to achieve the exact same median score. So this is an economic argument here. To a similar result, with almost 50% of their funding coming from federal and state funding, from independent schools, and almost 80% of the school funding coming from Catholic schools. And they're still outspending the state schools. 
more than $9,000 per student per year. Now, this is what the majority of public schools receive from government funding, which in Victoria, here we go, in Victoria, the, the average amount of money for a VCE student in a state school in Victoria, $13,764. There you go. Just under my $14,000 magic number. Any more than that, you're wasting your money. And this is what a majority of public schools receive from the government. Um, private schools, however, on average top-performing private school, parents paid over 25000 Parents paid over $25,000 per student. That's right. And that is excluding the government funding, which goes to them as well, which is between six dollars and $8,000 per student on top of that. So you're getting up to $30,000 as opposed to under fourteen to get the same VCE score. Just in terms of raw scores, private schools are a waste of everyone's money. Now, it is claimed by our conservative commentators that socioeconomic status has little impact on students' academic performance. This analysis of the results clearly demonstrates that school performance is very strongly correlated with socioeconomic status. Now, spending more money on students, spending more money on school buildings, spending more money on well-being centres, spending more money on international campuses around Southeast Asia, spending more money on playing fields, spending more money on equestrian facilities, spending more money on rowing sheds, spending more money on music centres, spending more money on swimming pools, spending more money on all these things makes no difference at all when students come from similar families. And Jane Caro, another friend of the Dogs Program, said, she said, if money makes no difference to education, why do private schools need to spend so much? A new review of research studies has found, of course, that money does matter. But money does matter, but it matters and it has a ceiling. It matters. Anything up to $14,000 matters. After that, it is what some people, if you're growing up, you know what I'm talking about, call the law of diminishing returns. The more money you put in after that, the less benefit you accrue. It shows there is a strong evidence of positive relationships between school funding and student achievements and that certain school resources that cost money have been positive. That is, all the money up to $14,000 is positive and any dollar after that is pretty much a waste of money. And of course, all of this is funded not by just parents but by the government itself. Now, there's a couple of things here. I'd just like to talk about the, but this alternate research that says that equity is not a problem in Australian education, this, this, this evidence. And I might actually get Dale. And there's a comment on, on, on the post I'm talking about written by Dave, David Zinia. There's a comment by Inigo Ray um, about this, and I think it's quite pertinent and to the point. Yeah, thanks, Rob. Uh, yeah, the Ineo's comment says, uh, Donnelly's article doesn't convince me. Socioeconomic status is not simply about parental income or family wealth. It has cultural and educational implications. SES is a portmanteau variable. If you strip out parental educational attitudes, parental educational levels, existence or otherwise of role models, books in the home, etc., etc., you are gradually gutting the variable. But all these things are part of the socioeconomic variable. That is why the word socio is there. 
These things are not accidentally connected. They form an existential and geographical empirical complex of causally related factors. They are found together in neighbourhoods. Just to sort of interpret that, basically what Donnelly's saying is socioeconomic status is just about the economics, not about the social stuff. So the social stuff is how many books you have in your house. The social stuff is how much your parents care about your education. Those are social variables, and they're related, they are correlated with how much money you have in the house. It doesn't make, it makes a bit of sense. You know, how much money you have in the house kind of correlates with how many books you have in the house. How much education is valued in the school so mm. is actually a social thing. It's a socioeconomic thing. Basically, Donnelly's saying, no, no, it's just about the money, and, and, that, and that way my figures come out and say that there is no equity problem in Australia. Donnelly hasn't worked in a school for 30 years. He's got no idea. I'm sorry. Um, I work in about 80 different schools all around Victoria and all the sectors, and I can tell you there is a multi-class system here in Australia. Mm. You go to one school and you go to a really good, gutsy, wonderful state school doing the absolute best they can with the limited resources they have. You've got to go to a great state school and see what they're doing with almost nothing. And then you go down the road and you're greeted in the well-being centre of the incredibly posh in her eastern place, and you find that there is, I kid you not, the staff room has its own barista. The staff room has its own barista. How does that benefit the kids? Oh, I suppose it makes the teachers come. Look, if I was a teacher, I want a barista in the staff room. That'd be great. But I'll tell you right now, um, that's paid for by taxes. Yeah. When you get teachers in public schools using their own money. Yeah to make sure that they've got the right materials for the class because they're so underfunded. That's right. I went to one school and there were 35 instrumental music teachers servicing the kids. That is, you know, those flute teachers and and, and, and clarinet teachers and saxophone teachers and cello teachers and double bass teachers and bassoon teachers. They're all there. They're all on staff. They're, They're teaching all these kids these individual music lessons. 35 of them. I've been to a state school that doesn't have a music program. They don't have one. They have a guy who teaches music up to year eight. That is it. Now, I'm passionate about music, of course, as you can probably tell by all the nice music we have here on the Dogs program. But just simple things like that. One provides a golden opportunity for a child. The other does not. That child doesn't know what they're missing because they have no chance, chance to be musical in the school with their friends. School musical? No, I never had one of them. Learn an instrument? No, we don't do that. Learn how to write music? What? No, you can't do that. Not at school. Go and do it somewhere else. And this is for no other reason than the school's under resources. It's not a policy decision from, from the principal. The principal would love to. The principal would love to have the resources, but they haven't got them, so they have to make do. They have to struggle. Why? Why in a civilised country does a state school have to struggle? I just... For me, anyway, I'm, I'm, I need to calm down. <laughs> we now have a situation where the Catholic school system and the independent school system are fighting each other over some scraps from the government and neither of them give a damn about what the majority of kids in Australia are going through in a state school. They're not talking about That's not their job. They're lobbyists. This whole idea of you know, egalitarian country, that's, that's history now when it comes to education. That's the way it used to be back in the day before we funded private schools. So don't talk about it. Don't get talking about Australian values in in history classes because he's responsible for killing them off. Mm. 
Every man, every woman, every kid for themselves. And the devil take the hindmost. Mm. I don't care about your kid. In fact, I don't care about them so much. I don't want my child associating with yours. I'm going to put them in a school where they don't even have to talk to your child. Mm. That's how much I don't care about your child. Mm. This is, that's right, it's a bit pretty tough stuff. Because mm. you get parents who say, I just want to do the right thing for my child because I have such family values. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yes, you do. But you do realise that you're playing a zero-sum game. Mm. You are taking away from another child by sending your child to a private school. State schools are great schools. Welcome back to this special Dogs Tribute program. Next up is an excerpt from Anarchist World This Week with Joe Toscano from November 2020. In this, Joe mentions a presentation that Jean Ely gave in tribute to her beloved son called From Carmel to Gonski, The Quest for Equality in Australian Education. If you are interested in this presentation, you can find it on the DOGS website at www.adogs.info. That's www.adogs.info. My name is Joseph Toscano. If you know what anarchy is all about, anarchos without rulers. It's about creating a society without rulers. How do you create a society without rulers? You see what gives rulers the ability to determine the lives of billions of people on planet Earth. And what are, what are they? Inequalities in power and wealth. So the anarchist struggle is the struggle for equality, the struggle for economic equality and the struggle for equality in decision-making processes. So if you're involved in, those, in any of those struggles, whether you like it or not, you're an anarchist because you're there to break down hierarchy. You're there to create a more egalitarian community. And talking about egalitarian community and the discussion to put the public before the private on every available indicator, I'd like to offer my condolences, uh, sincere condolences, to the family of uh, Robert Ely. Now, Robert Ely was a... uh, constant here at uh, Community Radio 3CR. He was co-host of the DOGS program, Defence of Government School program. He's been early 50s. He's been battling kidney cancer for a number of years and he died. Now, Robert was courageous. He was committed to the concept of putting the public before the private. His special interest was in um, public education. Even when he was in hospital on his deathbed, his mother, Jean Ely and uh, Dale Bridge, who produce the DOGS program here on Saturday at Community Radio 3CR in Melbourne, he was actually participating in the program through Zoom. So it was a lifelong quest of his to put the public before the private, especially in the public education sector, because he understood implicitly that you need a well-funded public education sector in order to bring forward the struggle for equality. And uh, in our country, we're almost uh, unique. You like that? Tautology, almost unique. In terms of using government money to fund private education at the expense of the public sector, increasing the divide between Australians, ensuring that this divide continues over generations. And people like Robert Ely were fundamental to that struggle to bring these ideas back into the public domain because during the privatisation, globalisation, corporatisation era, what we have seen is that these ideas have been 
put into the dustbin of history. And it's only organisations like Community Radio, people like Robert Ely, people like who who run the Dogs Program, the Defence of Government Schools Program, who are at the forefront of uh, being involved in that struggle. Now, Robert's mother, who's in her 80s, has spent most of her life promoting public education. As a tribute to her son, has a presentation at the Fellows and Associates Seminar at the School of Historical and Philosophical Studies at the University of Melbourne, from Carmel to Gonski, the quest for equality in Australian education. It's a Zoom presentation. And uh, if you look it up, you'll be able to hook on to the... Uh, it's an online Zoom meeting. All I can say, Robert, is I knew you over many, many decades here at Community Radio 3CR. You will be missed. Um, I'm sure many of the listeners to the Anarchist World this week uh, across the country on the Community Radio satellite will also miss your contribution to that struggle for equality in the public space. Rest in peace, Robert Ely. Want to defend government schools? We are the DOGS, D-O-G-S, Defenders of Government Schools. Every week on the DOGS program we have a special segment to show a different state school is a great school. If you're a parent or if you're a kid or if you're involved in the school in any way whatsoever and you love your state school, give 3CR a call. We want to hear about these schools that we're defending. Brunswick Secondary State schools are great. Harkaway Primary School. Sunshine North Primary School. They're really concerned about the welfare of the kids and their growth as people as well as learning. Like you put on plays, you've got enrichment, you've got physical education, visual arts, languages, all that. In fact, is there a cooking? Actually an embracing of kids from disadvantaged backgrounds and with additional needs. More than half of your kids are from some of the poorest families in Australia. Yeah, definitely. That's the community and that's who we're servicing and that's that's who we welcome into the school. Outdoor play is linked to healthier and happier children. This, in turn, leads to better grades. In the weekly assemblies and stuff, they have a little thing, uh, you've been caught being good, and they have a a value of the week each week, and so it's not just words, it is actually... So so what do the teachers do when it's a building site? Yeah, they kick themselves out of their own staff room and turn it into a classroom. Just a really nice culture and an emphasis on social skill building as well as learning. Quite a range of intellectual ability and kids with mental health diagnoses, refugee kids, kids who have not been in the country very long, don't necessarily start off with a positive great deal. relationships with each other, with teachers, and with the community. And they run a, a breakfast club. There's a recognition that some kids don't get breakfast, and so there's, there's food on. If you are involved in a state school and it's a great school, we'd love to hear from you so we can talk about it and tell the world. Leave a message for the dogs at 3CR on 9419 State schools are great schools. Great state schools. This is the Dogs Program on 3CR Community Radio. D-O-G-S, Defence of Government Schools. And today we've been remembering members of the dogs who are sadly no longer with us. Next, I'd like to share another piece of music, this time a piece by Henry Purcell. This piece was dear to Robert's heart and he wished it to be played at his funeral. It's a hauntingly beautiful piece called Dido's Lament, When I Am Laid in Earth. It asks, remember me, but forget my fate. We will indeed, with tenderness indescribable, remember you. Mm -hmm. 
Welcome back to this special edition of the Dogs Program, where we are paying tribute to our wonderful family of comrades who, while they are no longer with us, have still a legacy that endures, that burns bright, and that fuels our continued struggle for access to education for all. This battle is so important because a society of segregated children leads to a society of no cohesion, of disparate groups, of entrenched privilege and cycles of poverty, and a complete loss of any functional social mobility. Those who have gone before have steeled our resolve to continue, and we thank them, and we wish to let their families know how cherished their loved ones are, and how our greatest sympathies and condolences reach out to you all, to all of Margaret Nilsson's family and friends, to Robert's wife, Laura, his adoring parents, Jean and Richard, to his siblings and niece and nephew, to all that knew and loved our comrades in the good fight. We send our love, respect, admiration and gratitude. For three years, teachers have had their qualifications, their pay, their pensions and their working conditions attacked relentlessly by this government. I'm proud product of a government-funded primary school education and of a government-funded secondary school education. Australia is one of the richest and luckiest countries in the world and there's no reason whatsoever why we can't have the very best public schools in the world. It's simply not good enough that kids with disability miss out. Our education is not for profit. Our education is not for profit. You're listening to The Dogs, the defence of government schools on 3CR. Welcome back to this special episode of The Dogs, where we've been paying tribute to those members of The Dogs that we've lost in the past year, as well as those who came before. It now falls to you, dear listeners, whether you be parents or students, educators, support staff or concerned citizens, to join us in continuing the struggle for the future of our community. The Dogs' struggle has been going on for more than 50 years now, and those who began it still sit side by side in the fight, often to great individual financial expense, as well as personal and emotional expense. But as Robert would say, we need to be here. The dogs need to be here. As long as state aid is being given to elite religious and private schools at the expense of the public school system, as long as the children in this country are being separated on the basis of socioeconomic status, on the basis of the peculiar religious tenets of their parents, on the basis of race, on the basis of sexuality and gender, by using your tax dollars, as long as our TAFE system continues to be dismantled and vocational education privatisation continues to allow the rotting of the public purse, as long as our teachers and educators are being taken for granted and underpaid despite their being essential workers. The dogs need to exist. If you, dear listener, would like to join us, would like to join the Australian Council for the Defence of Government Schools in the next wave, the next generation of those seeking equity, please do join us. Visit our website at www.adogs.info. That's www.adogs.info. Next week, we'll be back with the regular programming. 
ready to face another year, to continue the struggle and to continue to tell all who listen how important and wonderful our great state schools are and can continue to be. Thank you for listening. Much love to all of those families, friends and comrades whom we join in missing our departed friends. And please join us again next week for the start of another year of the dog's fight. Happy New Year to all. And as Jean would say, the struggle is long, but hope is longer. Bye for now. Says he.